You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at chumbacasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey everyone, welcome to Page to Stage. A conversation with theater makers. We're your hosts. That's Brian. And that's Mary. Join us as we focus the spotlight back on the theater maker to uncover their process. We speak with folks in the industry that often aren't heard from. Such as stage managers, producers, crew members, marketing professionals. And everything in between. We hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at chumpacasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hi, my name is Adam Stocker, and I'm a costume maker. Right now, I'm working on TV and film um, for Apple. Ooh, fun. Yeah. My only exposure to costume building has been, like, in costume practicum in college, which totally takes me back, PTSD, which I, I used to call, like, the sweatshop of Montclair <laughs> State University. Oh, my God. So, um, sometimes it feels like that. Actually, a lot of the times when people build their theaters, like, they forget that the costume shop exists. And so they're often put in, like, a basement or, like, in a sub area that has no windows and, like, not great emergency exits. And it feels like a sweatshop a lot of the time. Wow. I know. I'm trying to think at the, the uh, regional theater I worked at. 
I'm like, where was their shop? <laughs> yeah. And I, I think the answer is the basement. It's so funny. We, we had two primary ones at Montclair State. One of them was like above one of the theaters and it actually like had like a nice view of the skyline from Montclair um, to the city. And then the other one was actually like an on campus, but like a separate like house. And it was called the Bond House. And it was just where they made costumes and you had wow. to like walk there. And if it was in the winter, you were like, sh- your face was shred up by the wind. Yeah. Okay. So on your resume, you have like a t- like 10 different roles maybe. I'm just going to list a few. Like So you have firsthand staff stitcher, costume shop assistant, wardrobe costume crew, assistant designer, wardrobe technician, costume coordinator, which I have a sidebar question about that na- about that title. Um assistant draper and many 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 more it seems like so how would you explain how these roles work together to ultimately deliver even a single piece of like one like one costume piece so a lot of those job titles are like the same job but the or at at the very least have like the same job description but the company that i worked for at the time just calls it the same like something different so like like firsthand and assistant draper are like almost the same thing, except that like as an assistant draper, I would do some pattern making. And as a firsthand, I'm only doing like cutting and prepping for the stitchers. So I have worked as, you know, as like a mild pattern maker that was in college. And then I worked as this, as a staff stitcher. So like super professional stitcher, at the Glimmerglass Opera Festival and uh, at Timberlake Studios. And then I worked as a firsthand, basically everywhere else I've worked as a firsthand, which is the job that I kind of have grown into and really enjoy doing. How that works is like the pattern maker makes a pattern and then gives it to the firsthand and the firsthand cuts it out and then gives it to a stitcher and the stitcher assembles it. And is the pattern, just like getting very technical here, just for clarification, is the pattern like what you would see, like, so if you're looking at a skirt, right, it would be, like, the skirt itself, not, like, the pattern of a design, like, polka dots versus stripes. Oh, correct, correct. So imagine you have a skirt and you and you took it apart and put it into, and you laid out all those pieces separately, that would be, like, the pattern. So then sometimes next to me at the, uh, <laughs> my most recent job, like, next to me is just, like, hangers of patterns and and. I like to keep all of the same costume on the same hanger. So it'll be like petticoat, skirt, bodice, neck, uh, collar. And then it'll be like facing pieces, which are like the inside pieces you don't even see. I know for like Princess Diana the musical, I made like a lot of the wedding dress. And that was just like piece, 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 piece. So many pieces. It was crazy. I'm sure it was just layers upon layers. So you've gotten the opportunity to work on some really cool Broadway shows. Um, can you name a few just so just for context for our listeners? Oh, totally. Um, Head Over Heels, Frozen, Tina Turner, Tootsie, Six. Um, what was the one I just said? Diana. Diana. <laughs> <laughs> For any listeners out there that may not know, how is it brought upon your shop to then take on these pieces? So go. So if we think about it this way, it's going from the designer, and then after it's designed, how is it brought to you guys? 
So uh, the New York City costume shops outside of the Met Opera, the New York City Ballet, and Radio City work on like a bidding system for uh, shows. So oftentimes like the shop will put in a bid and then whatever bid the producer and designers agree on is the bid that they take. A lot of the time it's also like the shop owner is friends with a designer and the designer is like, I'm going to bring my show here, but you still have to like put in the bid for me to accept it. So, so it works on a bidding system and I put air quotes around that. Yeah. You're not bidding out all of the costumes for one show to one shop, right? Like you could do, you know, dresses to the, to the shop. For sure. Men's clothing maybe to another. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, okay. I was pretty lucky to work at a shop with a tailoring, a dressmaking, and a crafts department. So we did get like a lot of stuff. But at the same time, when you're getting a lot of stuff from a lot of different shows, like you can't handle a full show every time. So like I meet people from other costume shops who are like, oh, I also worked on Tootsie. I also worked on Tina Turner. I also worked on, you know, whatever other show. Head over heels. You're probably working on like shows at the same time, right? So you're overlapping at all? Is that, yeah. Would you say that's true? Oh, totally. Okay. Yeah, there's a lot of time. It's a lot of project management. Like day, just your day-to-day is project management because you're like, I know that this show ships out on Friday, but this show has a fitting on Wednesday. And then you have to figure out how to prioritize your time. Once the shop actually gets the bid um, and if that's all accepted and you guys are given a design. Do you guys ever get like a presentation from a designer? Uh, what's the communication like between you and the designer to make sure that what they're, uh, they're envisioning is coming to life? Who's really leading that within your internal team? That would be the company owner and the pattern makers. Those are the people who talk to the designers the most and have like super direct communication with them. I sometimes like don't even meet the designer. (laughs) So then what's the first step when it comes to uh, a piece that you're now going to work on? And if you'd like to use an example, that would probably be most helpful. So by the time it gets to me, the, the pattern maker has had like a few conversations with the designer and... If the pattern maker is not the company owner, then they've talked to the company owner as well. And they've figured out all of the materials because the materials have already been bought or given to us. And the pattern has already been made because when I come into play, I receive the pattern from the pattern maker. And then they explain to me how, like what they want from it, like the amount of seam allowance. So like if it's, if, um, let's say it's a cruise ship. Cruise ships often have like very specific seam allowances in the contract. So I know like I have to put two inches of seam allowance in the side seam on both sides and like four inches of hem allowance in the hem. So do you know why that is? Why like cruise ships are? Yeah, because they're cheap and they don't want to make a new costume for a new person. I was going to say, right, <laughs> so that they could just change it if a new actor comes in. Yeah. Oh, and that's, so they're actually having like, lar- like larger seams than normal is what yeah, you're saying. Yeah. And oh, that's, I, was, I was thinking the reverse. That's true of Broadway also. So like it's made to be super, super alterable for someone else to like jump into. But those affect how I lay things out on fabric. So I also like get the fabric and I lay it out on my table and I lay the pattern out and I basically just like create a little puzzle for myself and then I eventually cut it out 
and then hand it to a stitcher and explain to them how we want things finished and how we want it sewn together. Now, is the pattern that you're given, is what is, is that like paper? Yeah. Is it another kind of fabric? It's paper. It's paper. Okay. It's usually like a brown mm. construction paper almost. Sometimes it's like a white paper with like dots and numbers on it. That's pretty common also. Trying to say fabric is usually like my job. I try to conserve as much fabric as possible. A, because it's ecologically friendly, but B, it's economically friendly because um, you don't want to have to go buy more fabric because a lot of the time you can't. Um, so when I get the pattern, I will like lay it all out onto the fabric and like, like really make them like, okay, can I do it this way? Can I do it this way? Until it fits in a nice way that conserves as much fabric as possible while also getting all the things that we need from it. And then I cut it out. And then from there, where does the piece go after you? It goes to a stitcher. And a lot of the time you just like drop it into a bin and, and say like, when you're done with whatever you're working on now, talk to me about this. Um, and then the stitcher will call you over to their sewing machine when they're ready. And then you can go and talk to them about what it is and like what the show is. And not necessarily like they don't care what the show is about, but oftentimes for like the timesheets, you have to tell them what show it is. So they are built appropriately. Um, <laughs> so you tell them the show name and what it is. And if you have a photo of the design, even better. And a lot of the stitchers, at least the ones I've worked with, have been in the industry for a really long time or have come from like other countries and, and thusly have worked in like the fashion industry and like in factories in from like the 80s and 90s in New York City. Um, so they could look at a photo and 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 the pieces and like make it without having to talk to you at all. But sometimes they go back to their old like factory ways, which is not what theater always wants. So it's really nice to be able to like, okay, do this, this, and this, and then come talk to me about something else. I do that also because a lot of the time, like I don't have it all figured out and the pattern maker doesn't always have it all figured out at the beginning. So you tell them to do like a few steps and then you have time to think while also like cutting something out for another show. <laughs> so you're like, oh, <laughs> a whole other show, not even yeah, like exactly, the same. Exactly. Oh, wow. Wow. I have to like compartmentalize. Uh-huh. So when you go over and, and, and you're speaking with the stitcher, are, is like the, the, the hem lines or, you know, the, the differences there, is that part of the conversation or is that marked on the fabric as you're cutting? It's definitely marked. I use usually, I like to use like a white pencil. They make them specifically for like marking fabric. So that's my favorite tool, but I also use chalk. If you use chalk, it will go away a little faster, but, um, if you use the white pencil, it will go away eventually, but is a, so like, just depends on what you're working on. If it's something that is like, that is like super duper high profile client, super important, I'll probably use chalk because it will go away immediately and you won't see it again. But if you need something to last a little longer, then I use the white pencil because if I know a stitcher is not going to get to my thing until like the end of the day I don't want the chalk to go away but everything is marked like hemlines are marked um I and that's part of what you're doing yeah so like making it as easy to read as possible without like without having to ask directions is is good 
crazy. And now, is there a difference between how regular clothes are made, like street clothes versus costumes? Like in terms of the like the start to finish, quite literally, of the, the building of the whole costume, is there like a big difference? Because I know you mentioned a lot of the stitchers have worked in <laughs> like, the fashion industry. Yeah, or the fa- you know, in fashion it, factories. Fashion is made, is like ready to wear. So like they just make it and send it out and there's no accounting for who's wearing it. Whereas like theatrical costumes are that sort of mix between that, like the speed of ready to wear, but the, the like uniqueness of a couture garment. So it is like, it's definitely tailored to a specific person. Um, but you still leave all the wiggle room to fit another person into it if need be. And I'm sure like, I mean, you almost hate to say it, but I'm sure costumes are built for durability, right? Cause they're wearing it eight times and they're doing sometimes crazy things in these costumes versus you want to hope that, you know, street clothes are made for durability, but likely <laughs> not. Right. They're, they're certainly not made for d- singing and dancing and sweating right. for eight <laughs> for eight days and being ripped off and like quickly put on if needed that's what gets me is like the quick changes (laughs) and like and like how I guess involved this I might be jumping ahead so Brian apologies but it just kind of came to me of like quick changes and a lot of times you don't realize how quick a quick change will be until after the costume is built and you're already in the theater right so like how is that something that you that like the costume shops are aware of and are like trying to loosely craft the costume with like the ability to quickly make to, to make alterations if needed. Yeah, so oftentimes like you know there's a quick change because that's part of the script. Um, so so you have sometimes you're like, oh my god, I have a quick change costume, and it's built for a specific quick change. Sometimes they have to change the way that it's rigged, but. Oftentimes it's not that big of a deal because like you can you can fake a lot on like how it looks on the outside versus how it looks on the inside. So sometimes for theatric like here's a big difference between fashion and and costumes is like costumes they can they don't have to look amazing on the inside. Um, obviously fashion is like always looks really nice and finished on the inside, but theater is like there's snaps, there's buttons, there's whatever you need on the inside. Um, and of course all the seam allowance, which doesn't look good on the inside, but yeah. So to actually answer your question, I'm usually cutting something out knowing that it's going to be quick rigged. And that is like a finishing technique that I have to like think about for the end. So you did mention that you're working with people that, I came from the fashion industry or fashion factories from, you know, back when those were really in the garment district uh, in New York City. That's not really the case anymore, right? No. Uh, And and then would you say that a lot of the other people are people that enjoy going to theater like yourself? Uh, Do do you enjoy going to theater, I should ask? That's, it's funny because I, I like going to see plays and there's like a, there's like a, maybe handful of musicals that I was like, I'm so excited this exists. Um. (laughs) Were you, okay, so then just to backtrack even further a little Mm -hmm. bit before I ask this next Mm -hmm. question, were you into theater when you were younger and decided to get into this because you were drawn to fashion costumes and that side of things and said, hey, I'll do it in this industry? I think for the most part, I was drawn to the community inside of this 
the theaters that I was near as a kid, like specifically the community theaters that I was doing, um, and then the high school and like even my college theater, like classes and the people I, I enjoyed. So you had a, a theatrical background or upbringing at least to to drop you into your current role. Uh, is that the case with a lot of people that work behind the scenes in these costume shops, uh, you know, aside from the people that probably started out in fashion? I think there's really similar to me in the way that they're like, I love the community that is like the people in the theater industry, um, at least like on our level of the theater industry. And then separately, oh, I know how to sew. And I know how to merge those two things together. And then what's the environment like? If you were to bring us into like the costume shop, what would we find? Wow. I mean, it's such a mix of personalities. So in the shop that I, in the costume shop that I most recently worked at, it was like old women from Ecuador and Colombia, a couple women from China, and then like a few people my age, a few people younger than me, and then some like 40 somethings and then our boss is like mid 50s and so you get this like really eclectic group of people and like obviously everyone's like a little bit chatty to a degree because you're working like we you know you work with people for eight to ten hours a day so you have to get to know them so you kind of make friends um or don't and And it becomes like a lot of fun, especially when you throw in like all the other cultures and languages happening. So like I know now I know like a ton of Spanish and I know a a good handful of Cantonese and Mandarin and all of the women from South America like really love celebrating holidays. And so like every truly like every holiday we would there's like something out for you to eat. And so you'd be like, what are these bagels for? And they'd be like, it's Arbor Day. (laughs) You're like, who celebrates that? They're like, it's just a reason to celebrate, which, which I found to appreciate, like, kind of almost too late. I was like, this is, you're right. Like, we should be celebrating every chance that we get. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, especially if it, you know, so easily a job yeah. can become like mundane or you just feel stale in it, especially if you're doing the same thing, you know, in theory over and over again. Probably what's refreshing about your job is that you're never doing the same thing over and over again. To a certain degree, you are cutting over and over again. The <laughs> act that you're doing is the same, but it's always something new. It's always a new puzzle. Yeah, that's that's mostly true, which is nice because then you can kind of like freshly think of new things as you go like when you asked me what shows i worked on i was like i don't even think i know (laughs) did you work on any long-running shows that were out for you know uh, enough time to really have a couple replacements no i have not worked on any long-running shows well how about when we came back from the shutdown right was there any costumes that you had to like completely (laughs) redo yeah because we had to completely redo all the costumes for six when we came back from the pandemic I just want to point out the fact that they won the Tony Award, or I should say the designer won the Tony Award for Best Costume Design. But I always think of this, you know, with the technicians that work behind sound design, lighting design, scenic, costumes. I think those people really are are what brings those designs to life. And most of the time, in my opinion, I... 
I would have to believe that a lot of the time the Tony voters are going to see these shows and looking at the finished product mm-hmm. and voting based on a finished product, which has been fully fleshed out due in part to your work, rather than what the Tony Award is actually for, which is the design, you know, the sketched out actual design of how it's going to be functional and in, in terms of the show. Yeah, because they're because they're not getting like the plot. Like they're not getting the lighting plot. Like these Tony voters right. are not getting lighting plots. They're not getting designs. I mean, it might be included in like promotional, like anything promo wise, the show sends out to Tony voters. But usually those are like gifts or right. like this is the journey of the show because like I, I've many? seen a lot of those. And you know what? It's hard enough for every Tony voter to actually honestly go see every show that's out that season. So. I just think that it's almost um, it's almost not even thought of that going to see the show and looking at the costume is not actually what you're supposed to be voting on. You're supposed to be voting on the design. So yeah, it, it should just be Tony Award for costumes, not design. Right. Well, then I'd, anyways, have, then I'd have a Tony Award have a Tony. sitting on my table over there, huh? <laughs> or your costume shop would. Uh, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Shop would. Exactly. <laughs> But I say all this, I say all this to just, you know, put it out there and and make people think a little more about, you know, what do awards really mean? And I only use this as an example because you did work on six, which did recently win the Tony Mm -hmm. Award for costume design. Yeah, but it's great. It's a great thought experiment because I know for a fact that like even like Broadway producers don't even know my job exists. Um a lot of them don't even know that the costumes are like made. I, I, some of them assume that you just buy a costume or even the people who go and see the show. Like they don't know that I'm somewhere else making this costume for non, like I, and that I'm non-union too. Well, I'm union now, but I was non-union working on six. <laughs> exactly. And, and I mean, Mary and I say it all the time. That's why we started this podcast is to kind of spotlight people that, are never in the spotlight. Um, but going back to the union thing, do you want to just give a quick uh, rundown of that historical context? Um, I don't know the full historical context, uh, unfortunately, but I do know... Are all theaters, are all theater costume shops non-union? No. The Metropolitan Opera, the New York City Ballet, and Radio City are like the three main union house like costume shops um but like that's because they're their own entities like everything they do is is union labor because they made a deal a long time ago but the costume shops in new york city and even like some scene shops wherever they are like they're not necessarily union and i know for sure the costume shops are not union um union stuff like just really like racks my brain like because i feel like i have so many questions but also i'm just like ultimately it's like if there are unions in the theater how come there aren't all like every single job should be protected right you i mean wow yes i agree um and ironically i work for a producer so like i i have that producer like side of it where i not where i understand because i don't obviously but i also like i i see that side of it of what you're talking about Right, but as long as there's a way to exploit labor, you you will take that chance, which is why we're not union. How I usually explain it to people is like the the people who are inside of the theater 
are union almost like all the time. So like the people doing wardrobe backstage, they're union. The people who are laying down cables are union. Um, the people in the pit have a union. But like once you're outside of that theater, that's no longer the case. Like I'm not, that's not, then you're not necessarily union. Would it be the responsibility of the shops to unionize? Um, yeah. Because they, yeah, then their bidding yeah. packages would just be higher. Right. Unless they were all union and all had a deal with Broadway producers. Yeah. Well, that's where, that's where <laughs> I'm thinking. Like, I think that's Which what makes sense. Ideal. I mean, right? Like, before the pandemic, we, like, HR just, like, was not a thing for, for Broadway. Yeah. But now you're starting to see that oh, yeah. come up. I mean, at least where I'm with who I'm working with, like, he has an HR on all of the shows that are in development and are running. Oh, that's good. So I'm hoping that this is like, <laughs> happens. <laughs> I think like what I'm gathering from this conversation and, and the context of, of all of this is outside of academia and like community theater, people that work in costume shops are very removed from the community of mm-hmm. theater. Would you agree that you felt that way? Yeah, Definitely. And I started feeling that way. Um, like even just at the Glimmer Glass Opera Festival, like the way that that is set up is, is separate, obviously, because the sets and costumes and props and paints like all need separate spaces. But even like the days that we were working um, in the places that we were living, like we weren't necessarily all in the same place at the same time on the same day. So it was like me and the other costume makers and that was like it. <laughs> like you said, you really liked the collaborative aspect of theater going into this and figured this would be the career path because you also enjoy, you know, sewing. <laughs> or, right. Right. You know, well, yeah, cutting. I... <laughs> sure. In in this case. <laughs> You're so removed, which which I don't think a lot of people realize. But I think you touched what you said at the beginning is exactly the reason why we're so removed. It's outside of academia basically like other other like types of theater are separate from Broadway because Broadway is so commercial. And if Broadway has to be its commercial entity, it has to make money and you do that by compartmentalizing like all of your work because when you separate the labor, then you can exploit it more, which sounds horrible, but is exactly how you make money in a capitalist society that we live in. <laughs> I know. Right? So like that's a, if it's a really good point. So like if you're if you're if your stitchers can't talk to the scenic makers who make more money than them, then they don't know that they're making more money and we can't ask for a raise. Right? Like that's kind of how that works. And just as like a side note, side note, it, costume people make the least amount of money in the industry, union or non-union. We make the least amount of money in the whole film, TV, uh, Broadway industry. Why? I mean, because I, it's feminized labor. Because it's it's what is women's work, right? Uh, that's in air quotes. Also, this is what we talked about when we had jo- Joanna Pon on oh, the that's podcast. That's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Who has their own podcast? Um, Dirty laundry. Dirty laundry. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and and in that conversation, we talked a lot about feminized labor, mm-hmm. which you know, up until that point. It makes sense. 
you know, that unfortunately it has... It doesn't justify, it explains it, it, yeah, the behavior. But yeah, it, yeah, it yeah. makes sense why all of this has uh, historically led to this point. Yeah, but and there's a lot of... I mean, even just like the tearing down of unions and like like even throwing NAFTA into this situation and sending jobs. I mean, this sounds hyper political, like sending jobs overseas, which is not necessarily what it intended to do, but is exactly what happened as a result of NAFTA. Um, But like all of those things really create the setup for what it is today. And that includes like all of the fashion. So like all of the, all of the old ladies that I work with who used to work in a fashion factory because of NAFTA lost their jobs and now work in the theater costume making industry. Like that's how they get here is by like, is by like getting rid of their unions, getting rid of their jobs. And then kind of like, there's not really anywhere for them to go. So they work at essentially like the next best thing or is also a great thing. Like it's probably more fun than making the same thing every day. I know some of them have worked in factories where you get paid per piece instead of per hour. So it's like you have to finish X amount of garments just to make a day's worth of money. That's that's I mean, it's it's insane. But that that reads like very outdated. It does read outdated, very but it still outdated. exists today in yeah, New York which, City. Yeah. yeah. In in this climate. In this economy, yes. In this economy, like, back. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> I'm wearing a sweatshirt, but I'm already getting heated. Right. So we spoke with um, a music coordinator. Her name is Christine Order. She works for Six, and we learned all about what a music coordinator does, which really is kind of like the paperwork of it all and like the payroll, you know, if, if you think of it kind of what I imagine is like similar to a company manager. Is that what a, what, what did you, costume coordinator? a costume coordinator? Is um, that like, what is that? Exactly? That's a great question. I actually think that the union has that as like a specific thing. But when I was a costume coordinator, it was not on a union job. And it was basically like, basically like assembling pieces that already existed into like a cohesive show. Um, And then maybe like one or two builds that just like, uh, like I wanted or needed. Um, But, but otherwise I was just coordinating outfits to be like cohesive. I wasn't designing anything right because it was already there. I didn't need to design it. A couple of my professors at the time like went back and forth on like you should say this, you shouldn't say this because it implies this, but none of them like no answer was really that good and I'm not a designer anyway, so like having that on my resume isn't even applicable. Isn't it interesting what we like are told either in an educational setting, so like in school yeah. or even as you're coming up in the industry and whatever you're doing versus like what actually yeah happens or what or how it's said i was just talking about this at work today too yeah because we were like who knew that that it would be so commercial like no one tells you even like in college it's like no one's is like no one gives a shit about you they just want to make money (laughs) like why don't they just lead with that they want to make sure you're not like going in super jaded i don't don't know know. well here i am (laughs) because the college wants to make money yeah exactly yeah (laughs) mary what do you say we move into our lightning round yes what is one thing in the theater industry that confuses you? Who gets paid what and how? That's the most confusing thing. What are three adjectives that describe your ideal working environment? Humorous, 
casual, moderate speed. <laughs> Does that count as one? I'll allow it. <laughs> Is there something in your process that you find unique to you? No, I often feel just a little robotic um, and that I just do, do a process like a machine. Are there any... Um, like resources, books, podcasts, anything that that has really helped you in in your own career that you might like recommend to someone? Yeah, well, we already talked about Dirty Laundry, the podcast, um, which which really ignited the like workers' rights fire within me, um, which is something that I've have always felt strongly about coming from like I'm from the Detroit area, which is like obviously a heavy union <laughs> city with the motor industry. Um, so I've always been like, workers' rights, workers' rights, workers' rights. And after listening to that, I was like, oh, crap, they apply to me, too. Um, and so so I've been sort of spreading the good word on workers' rights because of that podcast. But otherwise, there's not that much. There's not, like, a lot of things that I found that really helped me. Like, the only things that really helped me do my job are books that explain, like, how to build specific things. So there's, like, tailoring books and dressmaking books and things like that. But I don't know the names of them offhand because they're all on a bookshelf. That's all right. Actually, follow-up question to this lightning round. Um, would you say that that you've learned the most in your career by actually doing Yes. And like learning from your environment versus like what you learned in school. Definitely. This is like such a hands-on job that it's like, and I luckily came to the job with like a lot of knowledge from undergrad because we did not have a grad school. Um, So like I was doing a lot of the labor and my costume cohorts were doing a lot of the labor. So we left with a lot of um, experience, but it still was like uh, just enough to get me started and then un- and then so much learning on the job happens and that includes like like learning other languages so you can properly communicate with stitchers what is one job in the theater industry that you would trade jobs with for one week <laughs> um i would totally trade jobs with a lighting designer i don't know why i think I think because in my head, they just get to sit and be like, that looks great. (laughs) And then they like beep, boop, beep, bop into a computer sometimes. Like, okay. I've actually in undergrad did do some, uh, not like master electrician work, but just like general lighting design plot. Like I've made a plot and I made it happen like in fake. Um, And it was, it was actually not too bad. I had some fun. What is one hobby you have outside of the theater industry? Is going to the beach a hobby? Because <laughs> I do that more than more than everything else I do. I don't know, laying on the couch and watching movies, like that's, I'm big into like only relaxing. Really hard hitting question, Dunkin' Donuts or Starbucks? Starbucks. We're going to be sending you Starbucks <laughs> because yes. for all the listeners out there, we this is the second time we're recording this episode. A full episode. Adam was kind enough to come back and do this again for us because technical <laughs> difficulties led to a trashed episode because it just never it never recorded. I came crawling back on my hands and knees begging. Are you kidding? <laughs> 
Uh, we're, we're very happy to have you back. All that being said, we're we're very happy. Yeah, we're very we're very grateful. But now the actual last question is: What was the last great piece of theater that you saw? Oh boy, I I I would love to know what I said last time, but I think I'm just gonna say Hades Town. Well. Can you tell everybody how we can find you on the gram, the site, yeah. all those those um, fun things? My website, which is not super updated, is theboycostumer.com. And my Instagram, which is more updated, is theboycostumer. All one word, all lowercase, not that Instagram cares, but... I have to say, from a marketing standpoint, I really appreciate the branding. I mean, as much <laughs> and as And that I... it matches on the Instagram <laughs> and the website. As much I'm as, as I hate capitalism, boy, oh boy, does branding get you everywhere. Yeah, it really does. Well, thank you again so much. Um, we so appreciate you again for coming on <laughs> uh, a second time. Of course. <laughs> and we've totally perfected this time. Yeah, this, this, was, amazing. this was streamlined and, we streamlined and the nice conversations. Pack, <laughs> packaged with a bow for everybody. Thanks, everyone, for listening to this episode of Page to Stage. To keep up with us, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Page to Stage Podcast. And if you're enjoying these conversations, we would really appreciate it if you could take a couple minutes to rate and review us wherever you're listening to this podcast. Until next time. That's Brian. That's Mary. We'll see you later. Bye. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.